0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And welcome back everyone to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is October 7th, which means we are just a few short days away from the official full slate of week five kicking off. Because I really don't even want to admit that that game happened and even existed last night. I almost just want to move on about it not even talk about it uh we'll kind of get you guys squared away with our starts and recommendations for this week talk a little bit about some of our best bets i know ian's got several he's got lined up here we've also got some underdog plays as well but before we dive into things let me go in and welcome in our co-host for the show you love him you know him mr ian warden you can find him over on twitter at nfl film study you can find all of his work here at pro football network dude that last night that was a thing I don't know what else to say, but it was a thing. It happened.
1: I actually don't know what you're talking about. Like you said, I don't think we need to even acknowledge it. Just really bad. I mean, at least we took the under. I'm happy about that. We kind of called it that it'd be an ugly game. That
0: was the (laughs) least sweaty bet I have ever had in my life was that under. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, I I just don't know. I don't know, man. Both these teams are a major mess. Looking back at it, I guess we should have known that the Colts would be a mess. Their tackle situation is just terrible. Denver, you guys got to start looking elsewhere for a coach if this continues. Maybe there's a Nick Sirianni type turnaround for this this team. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett just not cutting it this year. So, uh, And then Russell Wilson. I mean, a lot of this is on him too. I mean, just mm-hmm. air mailing throws, staring guys down, just super ugly all around. It was interesting at least to see how Mike Boone was going to be integrated into the offense. We hope uh, Naheem Hines is going to be okay. Really another scary uh, yeah. concussion type injury there that we saw second street second straight week hate to see that so it was kind of cool though to see philip Lindsay get some run and and you know see his son in the stands so I'm trying to look at the positives from that game but there's really not that many
0: yeah i think denver and everyone else was just really going to be reliant on rosa wilson trying to help bring in a rookie head coach into the season neither of them are just doing well enough to complement off each other um i mean the fact that we're sitting here you know the next day and first touchdown prop bets are still open or I guess, you know, they got refunded at that point because no one's won a touchdown. The Indianapolis Colts had two field goals for 59 minutes and 52 seconds and won a game and covered, or at least pushed, if you had them at the at the plus three. That's, that's incredible. And I saw the other thing. It was uh, where how much Amazon Prime is paying. When you break it down in a per-game figure, Amazon paid $78 million to air that game on site. And guess what? For all of our, our reward for all of us, we get to watch the Bears and the Commanders next week. So, uh, yeah, this'll be fun. <laughs> but anyway, uh, enough about last night. I just Like I said, I'd just like to move on. Hopefully, it didn't kill you too much. Like we said, start your stars, bench the guys who are middling, and I think you probably came out okay. Yeah, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy kind of helped you out a little bit on that final reception in overtime. Rusted okay. It wasn't great. He was always going to be a fringe starter. Um, Melvin Gordon, meh, we'll see. I'm curious what his role is going to look like in critical situations to get Latavius Murray involved because we saw that game last time when they had to salt it away and they couldn't afford a, a turnover. Melvin Gordon was on the sidelines, and that's including during the two-minute warning they could have brought him back out, so it wasn't a rest issue. Uh, so we'll see what happens moving forward. But, yeah, both these teams have a – a lot of answers, a lot of things to figure out. But speaking of figuring out things, let's kind of dive in, Ian, into the start sits for this week. Kind of kicking things off of the quarterback position with uh, Sunshine, if you guys remember the Rembrandt Titans, uh Trevor Lawrence this week gets the Houston Texans. And I think this is a game that's going to be targeted a lot, both from a fantasy, a DFS standpoint, a sports betting standpoint. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars do look good. I don't, like legit, they look they look like the most improved team of 2022 compared to what we saw last year. Granted, we have a coach that we don't have to worry about where his hands are at, which is certainly a big help. I can really I can use my finger and point right to where that issue is. Um, and you got Trevor Lawrence looking like the quarterback we hoped he would be coming out of college. Uh, QB 16 in points per game, but I think it's his outlook is a little more impressive than that. I do like him this week against the Houston Texans. I've got him right now as a high end QB two this week. I think is a streaming option. Uh do you have any any thoughts on Trevor Lawrence or just what what you're seeing so far in his game? Uh, because I know you you love kind of diving into the table on a lot of things, especially compared to what you saw at college.
1: Yeah, for sure. It a lot of this offense just makes sense. They're continuing to rely on the running game uh to create some opportunities. It's not a super efficient running game. But everything is going to help Lawrence. It's more creative. It's exactly what we expected out of Doug Peterson. You're bringing an adult into the room, and he knows how to structure an Mm -hmm. offense. He knows how to prioritize targets. You're seeing Christian Kirk play really, really well. I love Mm -hmm. how they're integrating Kirk and expanding his game, and that's all helped Lawrence. He just looks more confident. He knows where he's looking first, and he's being able to, I think, think less once the ball is snapped. And that allows him to play more freely. And that's exactly how he won at Clemson is you didn't want him bogging down his processor. You want him just making plays because he's just a playmaker. He's a variance type of player. And so they're doing a really good job of getting those highs out of him while limiting uh, those turnover worthy throws and those, those kind of like the machine bogs down sometimes with, with Lawrence and he's, we haven't really seen that too much since week one.
0: Yep. I agree with that. Um, Like I said, I'm glad just to see Trevor Lawrence playing well. I think it's just a good thing to see after all the hype and expectations we've had on him since he was in high school. I mean, outside of Cooper Rush, few people have been viewed as his next generational talent since Andrew Luck, the way that Lawrence has come into the NFL. So I would have him as a start this week. Another one for me, Tom Brady uh, in the headlines for all the wrong reasons right now. Everyone's speculating on what's going on there. But unlike the rings off the field, the dude has enough on the field to where we know he can produce well. And he also got one of these against a team he's facing off this week as Tom Brady and Tembe Buccaneers head over to Atlanta, uh, take on the Atlanta Falcons. Did have a big bounce-back game last week uh, with 385 and three scores, totaling just over 25 fantasy points. You know you're never going to get any rushing upside, but as these – Wide receivers continue to get healthier. With Chris Godwin getting out there, uh, Mike Evans out there. You've got Russell Gage on this team. I mean, it's, there's enough talent on here to where Tom Brady can still bring a ton of upside uh, without anything on the ground. I think that hot streak should continue this week against the Falcons, who have allowed 18.6 uh, points to quarterbacks this year, which sits them just outside the top 10. But this is a matchup that Tom Brady loves. Uh, in the last, uh, in and last year, in the two matchups. Threw for 276 yards and five touchdowns. And then again in the next one, 368 yards and four scores. That is nearly double-digit touchdowns in just two games. Go back to the year before that, 2020, 390 passing yards in both games combined for six touchdowns. He's got a good feeling against Atlanta. um, And as long as this one doesn't end up in a 28-3 split, I think Tom Brady is looking pretty darn good here this week. He would be a starter for me. Plug him in as a QB1 here in Week 5. Another option to move down to the running backs. Miles Sanders coming off a really good game. Uh, He's really kind of turned into someone that, after he said at the beginning of the year, don't draft me, well, apparently maybe we should have because he's actually putting together some pretty decent clips. Last week did have his best game of the season going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, rushing 27 times for 134 yards while also recording two receptions for 22 yards. Did come in also with two combined touchdowns, putting him right around that 30-point mark. And I think once again this week going up against the Arizona Cardinals. Philly is rolling. They just look like a complete team. I, it's between them and Buffalo for the best roster in the NFL, or I guess the best team right now in the NFL. Um, they're both Tier 1 for sure. I think mean, we can all debate who we want to have one or two. Um, I think even a getting Buffalo, I think I'd still take them in a you know a best of five against Philadelphia. We'll put it that We're going to use some baseball terms here. Um, and also, I really like Philadelphia, uh, this week going up against Arizona. Who's kind of looked kind of all over the place. Uh, Ian, you got any thoughts on Miles Sanders?
1: Yeah, I've kind of been buying him since the preseason. I know, you know, where the touchdown numbers were, everything like that, but I actually do think this is one of the top two or three rosters in the NFL. And we're really seeing that this year, a couple of good pieces came out over the last week or so, kind of looking at this, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, offensive attack and, and, You know, yeah, some of it's scheme. They're able to manipulate Mm -hmm. looks. They're able to reproduce looks in different formations, different alignments. That's some of it. I'm going to be honest. They're running really basic plays out of pistol, out of shotgun, out of under center. It's not necessarily that they're play designs. It's just that they have a tremendous offensive line. They've got a quarterback who's playing really well, seeing the field because he's got two star receivers, a star tight end, and you've got a running back playing behind that great line and playing off of a rushing quarterback. Like, We don't need to overthink the scheme. The scheme's good. Yeah, the play calling is good. They're doing a great job of timing on that stuff, but this is a loaded offense. (laughs) Like when you're in a loaded offense, you don't necessarily have to be great at everything else. They're doing good at everything else. It's going to be a lot for this Cardinals defense to handle, especially Sanders. Sanders is really the afterthought. The running game's not an afterthought, but Sanders, the individual is an afterthought for the defense. And that is what I love when you can get a guy like that, who is technically not their first priority, but the running game is, I think Sanders is going to go off this week.
0: Yeah, um, I'm with you. I love Miles Sanders this week. Um, I don't know if you ever – I'm sure a lot of you probably do also watch or at least tune into the Pat McAfee Show. Um, they do a segment now ever since they've kind of partnered with uh with the with the NFL in terms of how getting access to with NFL films. They have AQ Shipley where he comes on that kind of breaks down the trenches. The, he broke down earlier this week going over the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. It's a it's a clinic how good they are at taking care of twists and stunts, how quick they are at opening up these holes. I mean, Jason Kelsey is playing at an all pro level uh, out there right now. And it's it's showing up in the running game. Like I said, I don't know. They have so many different angles where they can attack you. Philly is looking good. So give me Miles Sanders in this one. Uh, Another running back for me this week, Ramadre Stevenson, kind of that. RB one, RB like RB one A, RB you know one B up there in New England. They don't have Brian Hoyer this week, so you're going to be looking at Bailey Zappi again. I love this matchup, honestly, for the running backs. Um, over the last three, we have seen Stevenson kind of get an uptick in carries over that time, averaging 14.7 touches and 80.3 total yards with a 15% target share and near a uh, nearly 60. Route run rate over that time, RB42, RB8, and RB22 uh, over the time frame while ranking fifth in yards per contact uh, per attempt. Look, we have kind of saw Detroit give up a ton of points and opportunities in this one. So for me, I do love Ramondre Stevenson and, and Damian Harris against the team that has allowed the second most points to running backs this year. Uh, one more for me on this one too, Damian Pierce taking on Jacksonville Jaguars, 14 carries for 131. Definitely aided by that 75-yard touchdown score, but Damian Pierce is legit. He's the guy who we were hoping he was going to be coming into the draft and the one that we all were hitting our heads against a brick wall wondering why Florida didn't use him anymore, and I think that'll always be one of the the larger questions until things change down there in Florida is why did you not use Damian Pierce? We're not going to make that same mistake, though, right? We are going to start Damian Pierce. I'm glad we've all collectively agreed to that. We made our blood oath together. Uh, Chris Olave is going to be a start for me this week for the New Orleans Saints taking on Seattle. Even without Jameis Winston, we've seen him play really, really darn good football. 33 targets and 50.4 PPR points over the last three weeks. He's one of the league leaders in air yards and in deep plays. We know how he specializes in this. He's actually leading the NFL too in air yak, which is basically air yards plus yards after the catch. Uh, at over 170 per game that's over 16 yards over the next place person who's actually tyreek hill so the guy we always think is the vertical guy chris olave he is as legit as it gets which is crazy because he was probably the fourth best receiver on his own team at ohio state which is is just nuts to me how good that that class was uh so yeah give me chris olave definitely gonna be a uh Mid, probably RB, wide receiver two this week. And if you've got him in Dynasty, then congratulations, because there's no reason this guy should have slipped. Uh, another rookie kind of shining right now, Romeo Dobbs taking on the New York Giants. 13-plus PPR points in back-to-back weeks. Could have had a bigger one last week as well if he would have just hung on to that ball in the end zone. Uh, I know Aaron Rodgers is a little, a little upset about that, and I can't blame him. You can't leave points on the board, not when you're trying to get this offense figured out. And there's The Green Bay Packers have a smaller margin of error because they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. So they're still trying to figure some things out here, but I do got to love what he could do this week against the New York Giants, against a team that has had uh four different wide receivers, the wide receivers score 13 or more PPR points, including Darnell Mooney. And if you're giving up 13 points to a receiver for the freaking Bears, give me whoever the receiver is going to be the number one target for Aaron Rodgers, especially against a team that he uh, he's had success with against in the past. So yeah, give me Romeo Dobbs this week as well. Uh, Chris Godwin taking on Atlanta. I'm going to be starting him. I think we saw good. Uh, we saw some positive features last week with him coming back, putting on 81% of the snaps, 45 routes, targeted 20% of the time in week four, uh, 10 targets, seven receptions, uh, 59 yards. If we're liking Tom Brady, that means we'll probably also like his receiving threats as well. So give me Chris Godwin this week against a team that has allowed the seventh most point uh, two receivers so far this year. Uh, a couple of the quick hitters at tight end. Sticking to the same game, actually, too, with David Njoku and Gerald Everett. David Njoku actually leading the rounds in yards per route run at 2.8, which I don't think is massively surprising. He's always been a very efficient player with the ball in his hands. Uh, 26% target share and 20% of the air yards over the last two games. Give me David Njoku as a lower tight end one, and also Gerald Everett, 17 points in week four, catching five of six targets for 61 yards in a score. At least three targets, in, sorry, at least six targets in three straight games. Uh, so give me Gerald Everett as well as a potential as potential tight end, too. Moving on to some sits here. I think the first one, this might raise a couple eyebrows, and this is one me and you discussed before this one, too, and I think we both kind of talked each other into this one a little bit. We're both down on it. Najee Harris taking on the Buffalo Bills, uh, someone I'm probably going to be sitting this week. I was already fading pretty much all of Pittsburgh going up against Buffalo, but I think both of us, correct Ian, we're going to be sitting Najee here this this week, at least in teams where you have the opportunity to.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in Pittsburgh. I'm excited to see Kenny Pickett, but I don't know if he's going to be excited by the end of this game against Buffalo. (laughs) This might be a really rough one. Obviously, we have low expectations for this offense, the trenches for Pittsburgh are just going to be completely overmatched. Really does not bode well for them. I, we haven't seen and I think the other concern we talked about this, you know, before the show is the concern of the involvement of Najee Harris. Yep. The Pittsburgh Steelers went from giving this guy the third most touches among backs last year to including like receiving, right? So like factory in the receiving. He receiver. was That's number 1 in
0: touches but he was top 3 in receiving volume.
1: That's right. And I thought if nothing else that's going to repeat itself. He's at least going to get targets in the passing game because you got two quarterbacks who have to rely on him. No. Yep. Third least targets uh as an offense to the running back position of every offense in the league. That is staggering change. Yep. Uh, especially for young quarterbacks that really need to rely on the position. Because of that, I'm not comfortable playing Harris either, which is just a really disappointing uh drop for him. Not not that we're dropping him, but like to go from a top 6 pick in most, you know, yep. redrafts to you know, oh man, like we got to actually go week by week for him over the next month to see if we even can even justify starting him. So unfortunately, Najee is a sit for me too.
0: He's become a matchup dependent starter, which is the worst case scenario. If you spent a, a first round pick on a guy, um, I was concerned for Najee. He was like a second round player for me, like just going off of drafts. And obviously I was, I still wasn't low enough on him. Um, I'll just go cry into my terrible town in the corner. Uh, as I watch what happens with this Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but sorry, Dallas Cowboys fans, I'm not letting you off the hook either. Ezekiel Elliott is actually coming in as they sit for me this week, taking on the Los Angeles Rams. It's, uh Zeke, it's not looking good. And I can't even put all the blame on him. He looks okay at times, but that offensive line is just, it ain't good. Um, right now, Zeke is yet to reach 15 fantasy points. Uh, and to score ten or fewer in three of his four games, but additionally, he's also seen two or fewer targets in every game as well. And those lack of big plays and the lack of passing game exposure right now with Cooper Rush is just taking away the floor from Zeke. Um, the Rams have just been tough, from where they've they've struggled at different parts of their offense and just their team overall. Um, when it up against the running backs, they're still good. They're allowing the fewest pan- fantasy points per game to the position at just under 13 and a half, knowing the split that they have going right now between Zeke and Tony Pollard. I'll be sitting Zeke this week. Uh, another one for me uh, will be Tyler Algier taking on the 10 Bay Buccaneers. Um, are the Bucs as much of a pass funnel as they have been in the past? No. Um, in neutral game scripts last year, teams are still electing to throw the ball 72% of the time against them. That's not quite as bad this year, but they are still allowing the third... F- the third fewest points to running backs this year. To me, I just got some concerns about what's going to happen with this offense. Um, although Tyler Algier did play a decent amount, he actually ended up splitting the exact same amount of of uh, rushes with uh, Huntley with 10. Huntley was also the one to find the end zone. And in a game where we're kind of expecting, like they could struggle for red zone touches, and Tyler Algier doesn't bring much receiving upside. I don't think I'm going to be chasing anything right here with Tyler Algier, although he has an opportunity with Cordero Patterson out. I think I would prefer just to sit him in this matchup. I just don't love it. Another one I don't love this week is going to be um, Michael Carter. Guy I love talent-wise. I just don't love him this week taking on Miami. Brees Hall is definitely kind of cementing himself as that lead back, and unfortunately, they both have lost a little bit of value with Zach Wilson coming in. The targets just aren't there. I know this is something that me and you both discussed last week, the changes offense could undergo going back to Zach Wilson. So I'll be sitting Michael Carter, a couple wide receivers here, DJ Moore. I hate all of this. The world sucks. Like I'm not having fun anymore. Can we hit reset on this simulation? Because I just want DJ Moore to play well. But I can't Especially not against a 49ers team that has allowed only two touchdowns to receivers and 17 points per game. I, I can't. Like, I want DJ Moore to play well, but until we see something change, he's going to be a sit for me. Kind of the same thing with the Steelers wide receivers. I think maybe outside of Deontay Johnson, you've got a little bit of a case to be made just strictly based on volume. But as much as I love George Pickens, who did have a nice showing last week, which I think we're kind of hoping kind of moves forward with, can you pick it under center with that aggressiveness? Uh, for me right now, I just can't justify starting the Steelers wide receivers, like maybe outside of Deontay Johnson, but even him, um, it's very much lowered expectations. Uh, for me on this one. Juju is an interesting one just because he has seen less than 14 points in all four of his games so far this year. He's got to be the number one at some point for Mahomes. He need, they need to do something. But the way this team works, they're just spreading the ball around so much. I'm a little concerned for Juju. So I would wait to see what happens uh, and then kind of like moving forward. From there. Actually, I was managed to pick him up in a league. So if that tells you where people are at with Juju. To where some managers are dropping Patrick Mahomes potential number one. I don't see that lasting all that long. So uh, I would I would hold on to him, uh, but I definitely wouldn't be. I don't think I'd be starting him this week. I think two more people I would not be starting would be Dawson Knox, who's dealing with a foot injury. We just kind of saw him popping up on the on the report here so far. Just not been a great season for Dawson Knox uh, at this point. And if they're able to get Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir, I'm not so going not Khalil Shakir, but to get back Isaiah McKenzie. Then that role in the red zone is going to be reduced. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens there, and then also Irv Smith Jr. going up against Chicago. They just have other ways they can win in this game, and Irv Smith just hasn't looked great so far this year, despite being one of the the top breakout candidates for a lot of people at the tight end position. I was I was one of them. I go back to a couple of years ago where we thought he was going to finally move into the spotlight after Kyle Rudolph left, but it's just it's not happened. Um, we watched his yards and targets dwindle in two straight games. And when you've got a floor in the low single digits, it's hard for me to justify you, especially going up against the bears defense that the one thing they've been good at is stopping tight ends. That's the only thing that they've been good at so far this year, uh, allowing just 8.4 fantasy points per game and one touchdown to the position. So I'll be sitting him. Couple quick hitters here. Obviously, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert. If with DeAndre Swift out and if David Montgomery are out, got to fire them into your lineups. Once again, we kind of saw that last week, but we figured it's probably going to be a no brainer if you already got those guys on your lineup. I think Travis Etienne, sleeper watch this week against Houston, this could be a get right game. Uh, keep an eye on Isaiah McKenzie. He was out there today with a uh, regular jersey instead of the non contact jersey, so it looks like he did clear concussion protocol. I would have taken a look at Khalil Shakir in deeper leagues if that was the case, if we were going to be potentially missing Gabe Davis who's dealing with an ankle injury, and if Isaiah McKenzie didn't play. But I think with the, if they both of the guys are out there, which does seem to be the case, I'd fire them both of them into your lineups. Uh, and I think two more quick little sets here, uh, Zach Wilson and Carson Wentz. Uh, unless you are in 2QB or Superflex leagues, I would stay away from them. Uh, But I think it's probably going to wrap some things up for our start starts. So remember, we will have a start sit AMA throw us what you got moment um, on Sunday mornings over in our Discord with the PFN Pass. We'll be helping you guys out. And also hit us up over on Twitter, and over at NFL Film Study. I know he's not here also, but Cats uh, at Jason Katz 13 and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. So please feel free if you guys have any more start sits, hit us up over in Discord or just hit us up over on Twitter. We'll definitely got you. We got you guys back on that one. Um, but I do want to ask you guys, I don't know if you got you, but are you tired of tracking your bets out on messy spreadsheets or not knowing how much you've won or lost? Well, if you download the picket app, which is the best bet tracking app on the market, it can help make things easy to track your bets, shop the latest lines, and connect with the community of av- avid bettors at the same time. All you got to do is sign up today using promo code PFN365. Sync your favorite sportsbooks and you can win up to $100 for free. Picket is a 100% free to join and use app. So what are you guys waiting for? Just head over to promo code PFN and you can win up to $100 just for signing up for an app that is going to help make you a more informed, better, which is exactly what I love about it because honestly, I throw way too much money at these things with absolutely no idea what I'm doing just because I want the action. Perfect example today, baseball playoff starting today. I decide, hey, I'm gonna throw a I'm gonna throw a half a unit on first result of the first pitch of every first inning. I'm 0 for two. Pickett didn't have me on that one, it wasn't on there. That was my own fault. But it saves me from doing stupid things like that uh down the line. I know Ian, you've got several games here listed. I kind of want to give you the floor on this one. We're starting things off with the New York Giants. Uh plus nine taking on Green Bay, the over under sitting at forty one and a half. I know 90% of the money on the money line is heading towards uh, Green Bay and also same thing with the spread. Uh, So it looks like the public is very much kind of favoring Green Bay on this one, but that's a big number, isn't it?
1: It's a big number, and the Giants have continued to be scrappy because they are able to rely on Saquon Barkley. I mean, look, I know that the Giants' offense is going to be a mess without Kenny Galladay out there running at full health. I know that he's the key cog of that of that offense, as we like to uh, <laughs> point out quite often in our PFN yeah. chats. But, you yeah. know, it's a shame what's happened to that receiving room once again in New York. But this is a good team. The defense has played well. They're going to make the the Packers earn it. And whenever the Packers have to earn it, they tend to just kind of float through the game and win. But they don't win pretty. Nine points is a lot of points. I hate that much, given that much in this one. And I really like the under 41 and a half. I don't see the Giants scoring that much. We know Daniel Jones has been banged up. Uh, We know that offense, like you said, they're going to go through Saquon. I'm totally fine with that. I want that. I want this to be a shortened game. I want Aaron Jones. I want A.J. Dillon to be getting the ball way more often than not. Uh, Romeo Dubs, obviously, he's going to be the guy that we're banking on, and you mentioned him earlier. But there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of playmaking in this game. So because of that, I'm looking at the under. I think the Giants keep it close. They're going to lose. I'm thinking like seven, eight points, somewhere in that range. It's not going to be a, a, one that they go home feeling too good about, but they're going to keep it fairly close for most of this game, and that should keep them within that nine-point spread.
0: Yeah, it's it's just a lot. It's just a lot when you look at the lines. There's a couple of them this week. There are some really big lines. You want to look at this one. You've got Tampa Bay. You've got the Buffalo and Steelers game. They're all double-digit. Like Some of these are college lines, and we're just not used to seeing that in the men's league. Uh, another big spread here we got this week is Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Vikings sitting 7.5-point favorites. Um, interestingly enough here, the public very much all in on Minnesota to cover the spread. Only 33% of the money is actually going towards the Bears, which I believe is the direction you're leaning with the Bears getting over a touchdown right now.
1: Yep, really liking the underdogs this week to at least cover Chicago has a lot of problems, but they're almost like the Giants where they have their identity. It's not pretty. It's not statistically great. It's not good for, you know, the fantasy folks that, you know, Justin Fields, obviously his passing numbers have been dreadful. People are really worried about Justin Fields. Folks, when you have like $40 million in dead cap against you that you couldn't use, (laughs) and then you didn't allocate anything but a third-round pick to the offense, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. So don't worry about Justin Fields too much right now. I'm not saying there's not concerning things because there are concerning things. But this team knows how they're going to win. It's going to be Khalil Herbert. It's going to be David Montgomery if he's active. It's going to be Justin Fields running the ball. That's all they're concerned about. Same thing. They're going to shorten this game. Minnesota's kind of sliding a little bit. I think that week one win is starting to look a little bit more shaky as we get away from it. I just think this is going to be more of a field goal, six point game. It's going to be uncomfortable. Minnesota wins. But they look back at this one and say, wow, why did we not win that one by like two scores? Like, well, it's because Chicago knows exactly how to get the most out of their talent. And that's okay to say, it's still going to be a cover. And that's all we care about is betters.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think about some really good points on that one. Uh, another one here, Seattle Seahawks taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints five and a half point favorites. We're also seeing them getting the majority of the action on this one. Uh, although I think one thing is interesting here is it's kind of an a toss up on the money line here. They're only getting 40.8% of the money, 53% of the, of the volume on that one. but everyone's kind of looking at the spread on this one. And that is everyone is looking at Seattle to, to be able to cover this one uh, right now sitting at 91.6% looking over on the picket app with 90% of the volume uh, looking towards Seattle to cover the spread, Ian. It looks like you are favoring. You're going with the public on this one for Seattle to cover the five and a half. With likelihood of the red rifle over there with with the New Orleans with the New Orleans Saints.
1: Yeah, just again, you got a banged up team, and I don't ever love betting on a team that's been too banged up. I know Chris Olave's been amazing. I love what he's doing, but Alvin Kamara, even if he's available. It's still a rib injury. It's still one hit away from him being out. Michael Thomas, he's been banged up. He's not going to be participating in this one. Red rifle. He is really hit or miss at this point in his career. Geno Smith, the better quarterback. That offense looks smooth. They're they're passing the ball extremely effectively, especially compared to what we had expected. The running game with uh, Rashawn Penny has been fantastic. The defense obviously is the concern, but, I'm not too worried about the Saints putting up a ton of points without Jameis Winston. So I think this will be a close game, you know, four, three to four points I think five and a half to get that extra half point. I love it. This could be a little bit more uh, of a a high scoring game, actually. And I think that you've got some good stuff on that.
0: Yeah, um, just kind of looking at some of the trends of what these teams kind of have happen when they come back from a London game. It's it's a very weird travel schedule. It always changes. Um, But the team who played in London over the last five are three and two to the under on their team total. However, their opponent is four and one to the over, which kind of leads into you right here with this whole kind of angle on Seattle with New Orleans kind of having the shorter week, dealing with some banged up injuries here. Um, I'm with you on the Seahawks as one. This is going to be a team right here for me. Uh, I'll be joining in with you on that one. Uh, looking at the Patriots versus the Detroit Lions. Lions are three-and-a-half-point dogs, but they're a tough team this year. Uh, Dan Campbell has really helped to kind of change around the culture here. Uh, Detroit getting 64% of the money line and 60% of the spread on this one with Bailey Zappi going to be under center for the Patriots. I'm a little surprised that it's still sitting here at three-and-a-half with the Lions. And I think you're going to be looking towards and taking those points with you, which is probably what I'm going to be doing too.
1: Yeah, this is a really weird one because it opened up actually at two and a half. So Lions plus two and a half. We've seen that grow, even though Zappy's yeah. going to be playing. I'm not really sure. I don't know why you'd have more confidence in the rookie than you would Brian Hoyer. None of neither of them is.
0: I think it's more co- just a, a lack of confidence in Brian Hoyer than is a vote of confidence of Bailey Zappi.
1: It must be. It must be. And it's just it's very strange to me. I think Detroit is a good team. We've obviously they're the most entertaining team in the league. Number one offense yeah. in the league in scoring, number one, number thirty-two defense as far as scoring defense. So it's fantastic
0: w- for fantasy. It's it's literally it. the the perfect situation for fantasy. Is where you have a bad you- defense, but an offense doesn't score points sign me just
1: fantastic right like if if this was mac jones i'd say play the play all of your uh all your patriots fantasy guys that you might have i'm still obviously we're definitely playing both of the running backs in this one but i just think detroit's a good team they're getting more less credit here than what they should i think the public is right here i'm just surprised that the number hasn't gone down i I would have detroit as the favorite if i were to be making this line or at least a pick them Uh, i know it's it's a tough one in foxborough but I just I think that the the odds makers have really missed this one. This might be my play of the week.
0: I, it's that whole thing of who wins. The Lions' offense or Bill Belichick? I mean, it, and that's that's the hard one is you got to scheme and you got to be Bill Belichick, and that's always going to be a difficult thing. But I'm with you. I definitely look at the Lions. Uh, another big spread here. Tampa Bay getting ten points in the Super Bowl rematch. Um, definitely looks like a lot of people are. All in on Tampa Bay, looking over on Pickett. 92% of the bets that have gone in on the money line have been for Tampa Bay. Uh, the Falcons are only getting 11% of the odds to cover the spread, but this is a really big line. Is Anytime you get into double digits, I, the numbers tell me, kind of look towards that underdog.
1: Yeah, it's a classic letdown game for Tampa Bay, and I don't think that they'll lose this. I don't think they're really at any risk of losing it, but we've seen their identity ebb and flow. I know the impressive offensive numbers last week, but we both watched that game. We didn't see that impressive of an offense. Yep. Kansas City looked like they were running away from that game, even if they were only one or two scores up. I think that's going to kind of come back down this week. We're going to see the Falcons play a super gritty ground game. Uh, Marcus Mariota is going to be running the ball. You are gonna, have, it's just. It's very similar to kind of how the bears operate run heavy, mm-hmm. shorten this game. Let's make it ugly. If we can run the ball 15 straight plays like we did against the Browns, we might <laughs> gain four yards of play, but it works. And that's yeah. all that matters. You killed an entire quarter and, and you accomplish the goal, put yourself in a position to win. This is probably going to be a seven point type of game. It's ugly. You feel bad about it when you're Tampa Bay, but they, all that matters again, Falcons are going to cover.
0: I mean, if you're Tampa Bay, unless you blow out Atlanta, you're going to walk out of this game feeling bad. Because it was either going to be, it's either going to be too close, or you didn't do your job. They had they have to blow out Tampa Bay right now to get back on get back into the right scene. Quite frankly, they've got to do it to shut up the media, which are going to have they're going to be out like vultures this week in Tampa Bay if they even come close to struggling. So, this is kind of a, a game they need to walk away from and win comfortably. Uh, same thing with the San Francisco 49ers sitting at minus seven against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we are both in agreement on this one. 49ers uh, covering that minus seven. I'm taking them as a clear favorite. Uh, Carolina's offense is just in shambles with Baker Mayfield. Matt is probably not going to finish out the year despite coming into last season, being one of the more talked about hirings of that class. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not loving that one. Eagles getting five points against the Arizona Cardinals. They're also seeing 63% of the money line and 53% of the spread, which is surprising to me. I thought it would have been a lot higher. Uh, But yeah, Pickett's, the people over on Pickett are actually a little bit more in on the Cardinals, which we're not. Um, I think we're both in the same way here. Phil Dev Eagles minus five. I'll take what could very well be one of the best teams in the NFL going up against a, a team that can't really figure out their own identity and has to worry about their quarterback's KD. Like, I'm not – I ain't doing that one. I'll be taking the Eagles minus five. Same thing here with Ian. Um, And you also have the Rams-Cowboys. But you are not taking the side. You're just going with the game total here, right? Yeah,
1: this is going to be another defensive first type of game. Neither offense has been playing especially well. A lot, a lot, a lot of credit to Cooper Rush, what he's done. But look at the, the run defense for the Rams. They're going to stifle – uh, what the Cowboys do best, what they at least want to try to do best, which can be running in the ball. I think Tony Pollard, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, those guys are going to struggle. They're averaging 3.8 yards per carry uh, when they go to Elliott on the ground. That's just not going to work against Bobby Wagner. No. Like it, The way to beat this Rams defense is to throw the ball. And the, the Cowboys can't go into this game saying, we're going to throw the ball 45 times. It's just not going to happen. It's going to be a close game. Uh, 43 and a half, I think the under, I think that's – the public is seeing that, right? Like sixty percent is looking that at that number and saying the same thing. So for me, I would lean towards the Cowboys covering, but I definitely like the under here.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think if I had anything, it would be the I would take the under. Um the public does also agree with Dallas to cover about fifty-eight percent of the volume is coming in on that as well. Um under just feels like the right play. Just for where these teams are right now. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I still have no I still have no good explanation so far about Allen Robinson. What's going on with him? There's no excuses on that. It's it's schematics. It's it's the way he has played. Also, like there's multiple people that are involved. What's going on with Allen Robinson? They've got to get that figured out because uh, eventually, I'm just going to give Cooper Cup the Calvin Johnson treatment, and I'm just going to triple you. And I don't care where you're standing. I'm going to treat you like a gunner on special teams, and I'm just going to have I'm just going to box you the entire time. I'll let go when I have to, but I'm not letting you beat me. I'll force you to beat me with Ben Skoronik or Tyler Higby, or Cam Akers and Alan Robinson. I'm not letting Cooper Cup beat me. That's I can't do that right now at this point. Um, but he's kind of pretty much beating everyone else. And this is probably why I'm sitting in this chair and not in a, a defensive coordinator's room right now making their money. Uh, but if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season, we'll as a new DraftKings Sportsbook. user, you can bet five bucks and you can win $200 in bets. All you got to do is head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out our latest betting promos to claim this offer today. I also want to tell you about the easiest, most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog fantasy and their pick'em game. All you got to do is look for your favorite or least favorite, in some cases, player stats and pick whether they'll end up higher or lower than that total in this week's games, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players of your Pick'em entry, get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with a promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your deposit up to $100 remember that is underdog fantasy with promo code pfn and you can get in on the action today there's quite a few options that are out there which is one of the things that i do love about underdog is even if it's a bad game like last night i'm gonna have tons of different options out there on different props that i'd like to play the first one started things out here is with the quarterbacks as that is what the nfl revolves around i'm I'm pretty sure we went back in times and If the quarterback football was around, they would have said the the universe revolved around the quarterback, not around Earth anymore. Justin Herbert sitting here at 279.5 passing yards. Ian, let's play the game here. You going higher or lower on Justin Herbert this week?
1: Got to give me the higher. This matchup last year, he threw for 398 yards. We got Clowney and Garrett both banged up. Hit 297 or more yards passing in three of his first four games. Easily going higher here.
0: Keep it on the same game on this one, too, but over on the running backs, because I think we're both a little scared of the passing game at times with this offense. We never exactly know what we're going to get. Starting to feel better about Cooper and also David Njoku, but I think the running game is what's always going to be in the DNA of this Cleveland Browns team, and that's going always going to start with Nick Chubb, who looks like one of the best running backs in the NFL, and I say, quite frankly, one of the few running backs that have actually increased in value. So far this year and what's been a very slow start to the position, uh, sitting here at 89 and a half rushing yards. And I got to say, um, that higher is looking pretty tasty, isn't it?
1: Got to take the higher here. Chargers are allowing 5.4 yards per carry on the ground. One of the worst rush defenses in the league, despite their efforts to get it better. Chubbs had 113 or more rushing yards in three of his games. His other one, 87, the guy's going to get volume. He's going to be efficient. Doesn't matter. Got to go higher.
0: I love that one. Even if I like the Los Angeles Chargers, I like Nick Chubb more when he the ball is in his hands. He's one of those guys that I'm always going to trust uh, if they want to feed the ball to him. Someone who I'm not trusting quite as much, Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears. We don't necessarily know what's going on with this passing game, but luckily enough, you can avoid it if you want to. Sitting here looking at his rushing yards of 39 and a half, Ian, which way are you leaning higher or lower? On Justin Fields, at least giving us something on the ground this week.
1: Yeah, definitely. I have to go higher here. He's been really effective on the ground. He's embracing it. He's embracing the offense. 47 yards, 52 yards rushing the last two weeks since Khalil Herbert was integrated. I think this offense knows their identity. I talked about it earlier. He's going to get 40, 45, 50 rushing
0: yards in this one. I'll I'll take it because that might be more passing yards than he has. Right. Um, Ramondre Stevenson sitting here at 54.5 rushing yards. Something we talked about earlier, we know we're both in on him, so we're obviously also taking the higher on his rushing yards. Leonard Fournette 102.5 total yards, so avoiding the rushing or the receiving in general, but going for the combined yards as they take on the Atlanta Falcons. Are you thinking this could be a big game for Leonard Fournette, Ian?
1: I don't really see it. I'm going the lower end of this one here. He only has one game with more than 70 total yards. The I, I don't even think it's anything to do with Fournette. He's a great player. Just the offensive line is just totally lost with where they are at compared to where they were the last couple of years. I, I like the matchup, right? Like if it's going to happen, it's going to be this week, but I can't go that direction when he's not been playing that well and the line hasn't been dominating the line of scrimmage. I have to take the lower here because the trends are just screaming it.
0: Yep, makes a ton of sense. Uh, Zach Wilson and the New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins uh, with two us sitting out this week. Zach Wilson, 20.5, sorry, 220.5 passing yards. That would probably have changed which way we were leaning on these things. Um, <laughs> ton of talent on the team on both sides for both these offenses. But I think it makes sense here with this chance ability where the chance – where the Jets could try to get a couple turnovers here, get the ball back into Zach Wilson's hands, higher on the 220.5 passing yards, especially against Miami, who really only has like four healthy corners, and they've got the 31st-ranked passing defense. King Henry looks like he is putting back his crown uh, back on his head for the 2022 season. They've got him at 85.5 rushing yards, and Ian, I'm thinking when we're seeing Derrick Henry looking like this, you got to take the higher, right?
1: Got to go higher. Got to go higher. It's just, we know it. We knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. It was a matter of whether the offensive line would gel or not. He's always going to get the volume, always going to get the opportunity. The matchup is fine. I think we start seeing him creep back up to triple digits. I think the underdog is going to keep moving that line higher and higher. We are getting this at a really good number, considering that they haven't adjusted yet.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. If you can get Derrick in right now, we're still where he's at. You got to take that one. Uh, two other quick ones here. Jeff Wilson, 40, 75 and 74 yards against the Broncos and the Rams. Takes on the Carolina Panthers this week. They've only got him at 67.5 rushing yards. Going to be smashing the higher on that one on this offense. And also the other one i am take a look at is Christian Kirk, who is the legitimate number one option that they are paying him to be. Set at 5.5 receptions. Averaging over nine targets per game and 81.6 yards. I will be taking the higher on Christian Kirk. They also have him, like I said, at 65.5 yards for his projection. I got no issue taking the higher on that one as it gets a bounce back game, not having to be guarded by the Darius Slate and the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table Podcast, powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeart, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast at. It is always greatly appreciated. Remember to continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com where you can find all the analysis, not covering, not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Remember to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN pass gets you direct access to the discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN productions, weekly giveaways and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineups, waiver wire advice, a Sunday morning search set, and even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll, and it's also never too early to get started on your mock drafts for the 2023 season that is quickly approaching. By heading over to profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft, uh, you can follow Ian over on Twitter at NFL Film Study, my and myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Good luck this weekend. Good luck on all your bets. If you guys, like I said, if you guys have any more questions for start sits, waiver wire advice, or anything like that, head over to Pro Football Network. Uh, head over to our Discord. We'll hit you up over on there. We'll see you guys on Monday for another episode. Good luck.